This is Gary, and you're listening to The Bar. In today's episode, we have Fatul Jana, who is a content writer and producer for Awam, All Women's Action Society in Stand Up Malaysia. So Jana, tell me a bit about yourself. What do you do? I just graduated, and now I'm working with non-government organization, and I'm a social media producer right now. Okay. Yeah. So we're talking about basically films and women's roles. With that in mind, would you say, like, I guess the role of women in, in our local cinema, is it portrayed in a certain light? Obviously, it's very patriarchal. In that sense, we haven't moved on much from, uh, you know, movies from the olden days. You know, like if you see movies like Piramli, it, it's very traditional. The women exactly, are very, yeah. Yeah, the women are very in, in traditional roles. But nowadays, you can see women who work. And I think people in Malaysia, our perception of what an empowered woman is, is very limited. Limited. So we think as long as she's working, she's empowered. But Malaysian movies are not really like that. They're still very created in a misogynist point of view. And so would you say we have taken like one or two steps backwards in that sense? It's hard to say because there are still good movies out there. It's just that the ones that people know are the ones that are like that. With the exception of Yasmin's films, which are, I guess, different in many sense, mm. right? There are women who are real, I would like to think who are very genuine in their thinking. Genuine, yes. You know, there's something quite raw about that, even in terms of the relationships and all that. And maybe because there's a lot of things that's very taboo about a Muslim woman liking someone of a different race, a different religion, the clash of cultures and backgrounds. Do you think in the mainstream local films, it is particularly panned to One Direction because uh, of the sensitivity of that? I don't think it's because of the sensitivity. If we're talking about sensitivity, right? Rape, it's a very taboo subject to talk about. Sex is a very taboo subject to talk about, but they still include that. It's just that they include it in a way that is detrimental and negative to the society. I think it's more just because people want to watch it, people want to feel good, and people want to make money. Like based on my experience in the industry, I remember like if a character was doing drugs, he had to get arrested or die at the end of the story yes. for it to be acceptable. Yes. Or if he was gay or something, he would have gone on his journey where he finds mm. clarity. Like They still do that. They still days. do that? Yeah, right. they still do that. Even with female characters, even if she's not like a, you know, she doesn't do drugs or whatever, if she's just a little bit loud and the kind of women that's promiscuous in our Malaysian sense, or she likes to steal people's husband or whatever she will die she will have some sort of accident something bad will end. happen yeah yeah like mommy jarum like i remember right. this one mommy jarum junior scene she was very talkative and she gossips a lot and at the end she got raped as a punishment so it still happens i'm trying to think i forget the name of the film but this female character went drinking and she got raped and then she fell in love with her rapist oh yeah i mean i don't even know which one you're talking about because there's so much so i can think of like multiple at the top of my head right now yeah right yeah. So there's a yeah. great example of that why do you think it's portrayed that way that way as in like that, they, they that, get raped and then they fell in love? Yeah. I think people with bad reality, we turn towards bad fantasies to sustain that reality. Like for example, like even like normal people like us, right? We're told since we're young that love is painful, love is abusive, love is toxic. And we know that's wrong. But we just, we need a way to accept that and we need a way to accept that we are used to this toxicity. Like movies like that, they tell us, this is bad, but you'll be fine with it because you'll fall in love and then it'll be good to you. So it sort of fits into this bad reality that we have and give us a little bit like a false sense of hope I think right I mean it goes without saying but media film TV it, it plays such a big influence with the younger generation in particular mm. these days would you say it is a social responsibility for filmmakers to be more cautious and conscious of that 
Yes, definitely. If you remember um, when Ombak Rindu first came out. It's Ombak Rindu, isn't it? That's the film I'm thinking about. Yeah, so when it first came out, one of the main actresses said, you guys are thinking too much. This is just for entertainment. So I think you should pay attention to people's words, you know. The fact that they say just entertainment, it's all for entertainment. It shows that the people who are involved in the process of making this kind of videos, even they do not care that this movies or films have actual value other than just people watching it people liking it and move on and would you say even like the actresses in those films have somewhat you know given in in some sense it depends because I know that the actor and actresses that act in this they have spoken up before about how the media industry needs to change and we need to move on from this rape tropes and whatnot. but I think it also depends on I guess their financial status at the time how, right. and you know if you have dreams you might want to sacrifice a little bit of your integrity I guess and just do it like I'm thinking Hollywood films for example there was a time where a lot of young actresses who are now probably more famous they took lesser roles or roles mm. that were a bit more revealing just to get their foot in the door mm-hmm. right I'll make a bunch of B-rated films yeah. and I'll work my way up yeah, also because, I mean, the awareness that we have now and the awareness that we have like maybe 10 years before is super different. So maybe when they were in it, like they didn't really think it was a bad thing. I didn't think that rape tropes were a bad thing 10 years before. And where do you think it stems from? Like, I'm just thinking out loud, there's a lot of female within the industry that are a lot more aware these days, right? It's not just representation on the big screen, but mm. even behind the camera. You know, we want to mm-hmm. have more female directors, writers, yeah. even on the camera or, or roles that were probably predominantly dominated by men for the longest time mm-hmm. are seemingly now open up to women at, at the same time. Mm-hmm. Where do you think that shift and that change of uh, direction came from? Okay, let's compare the difference between Black Widow in her own movie versus Black Widow in Marvel movies, other Marvel movies. It's very, very different because back then, when you put a female character and you portray her in a very patriarchal sense, the way they create her will be the way that men like. So now the Black Widow movie is to actually cater to female audience more. So they put more issues that are more related to women, such as abuse. They put in uh, manipulation and taking advantage of younger women. So having that kind of perspective comes from having more women involved in making films. And you would say that's the real difference between having a male versus a female director is the storytelling, isn't it? It's Somewhat like that. Like The main thing for an audience is that the female, the female audience who watch it can actually relate to it. And I think even if you talk about the actors who started in other films, at this point they are picking films that they want to make, right? Because mm-hmm. they are very aware of the representation of like, I want little girls out there to kind of be inspired and by this, right? Yeah. In, in Wonder Woman, in Captain Marvel, in Black Widow. Uh, that I think that awareness is a lot greater now, more mm-hmm. so than maybe 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree. We have with us in the studio Justin Wong, a writer, producer, founder of Kinedia, which is a streaming platform for Malaysian films, also joins us on this episode. As well as Susan Lancaster, actress and producer. She also founded her own production studio, Catwoman Productions. Okay, so Justin, any films you've seen recently? I'm afraid I haven't been to the cinema in a while. <laughs> the last movie I saw in a, in a cinema was Mortal Kombat. Only because I just wanted to step out of the house gotcha. and do something, walk around on my feet and uh, be in an air-conditioned room. Did you see the original Mortal Kombat? I did not, but I just know the song. I see. It's a step up, in case you were wondering. <laughs> it's a step I mean, again, then again, filmmaking became a lot better in the last decade or so. Better yeah. subjective, but uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. The only thing I have to say about the new Mortal Kombat is that uh, you know they they promised you an act, uh, fight movie, they gave you a fight movie. Susan, as someone who has been in the industry for like, would you say since the nineteen eighties? Yes. How has representation in the industry changed since? 
You're talking about women. Exactly. Back then, to get even decent roles as a character, supporting or main, it was tough. So when films that actually had some kind of sustenance, like Femina, for example, which was a pseudo-feminist film written and directed by Aziz M. Osman, when he casted me with Erma Fatima, and it was this amazing film of us just having so much fun on set, knowing that we were paving the way for a future. We had no idea what was going to happen, but we knew that we were definitely banging down doors. And it was just a huge feather in our cap. We were putting out the pavements step by step. Those of us like Irma, myself, Sophia Jane, Ramona in her own way as well, Ramona Raman. I think they dared to cast us in roles like that because we look different. You know, being Pan-Asian those days mm-hmm. was a license to be able to do something that maybe the other actresses didn't feel that it was appropriate, perhaps. I don't know. It was just something that we considered like we could do it. And so we just sort of started putting out these paved stones, really, to slowly walk across this glass floor that we had. And you played Anita, your character, a strong female character who mm. spoke her mind. Mm. Would you say that was a good representation of women in movies back then? I would say it was a powerful representation, not necessarily good because of who she was. I mean, behind closed doors, she was the total opposite of whatever she was spouting out in the story. But I think in general, I think what Aziz was trying to say that, you know, anyone who is given power can fall by the roadside if they're not careful, if they just let it consume them. It doesn't matter what sex, male or female, you still will fall by the roadside and uh, succumb to temptations and things like that. Would you say these days that there's an increase for more representation in terms of film and things that's put out? Like, yeah, would you say that that increase in demand has come about due to, I guess, the times that we're living in? I have not come across any substantial data to suggest that there is a vocal demand for more female representation. I know it's there for sure, but whether the average Malaysian has that in mind consciously or not, I'm not sure. I can't say. Susan, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, Okay, so now we have a lot more female producers. We have a lot more female directors. We have a lot of very loud women. The younger gen at the moment that are just making waves, like for example, a director now is Junat Mamat No, who is Lat's daughter. Mm-hmm. She's doing her own thing. There's Nadia Hamza, Sharifa Mani, and Yasmin Ahmad is an icon in her own way of whatever and whoever she represents and stands for. And I also realize that there are a lot of DOPs, women DOPs, I don't know their names, but I see young girls, mid-20s, late-20s, early-30s, all carrying cameras and filming. And I'm like, good for you, because it's all about the female gaze. The female gaze tells a different story. Where do you think that came from, that sudden inspiration for women to be more represented within the industry? I think it's not a sudden inspiration. I think women have always wanted to have a say from way back then, you know, when women used to want to, the term of burn their bras and get themselves handcuffed to grills because they felt that they were never given a voice. And it was true behind every... Uh, prominent man, there was a strong woman behind him that was pushing her the whole way through, especially when it came to men in power. There was always a powerful woman or a strong woman behind him that gave him that access or that energy to be what he was. It's just that women were never given a voice, never given a platform. So to say a sudden inspiration, no, it's been there. It's just been dormant or always squashed. 
Is it the fact that culturally we've been doing this for the longest time and so let's not rock the boat in some sense? Well, you know, big boats are hard to steer, you know. Sure. If, but if you ask me about the symptoms of the problem, right, if you're talking about female representation, we want to start with the characters portrayed on screen. I want to preface this by saying that I may not be the most <laughs> qualified person to speak on the subject of female representation, but from what I can observe, your typical mainstream Malaysian movies have the issue of portraying this woman in a one-dimensional manner most of the time. If we let this go on unchecked, if we let this go on without proper word from female directors, writers, producers, then what do we have? We have female characters on screen who signals to the audiences that, oh, it's okay to marry your rapist. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's okay to be subservient, you know. So then what happens, you know, these movies will tell us that the only quality you have as a woman is a suchi subservient woman. Sure. You know, that's a problem. I love the metaphor of a ship in the sense that it is a journey, right? It's not something that will change course immediately. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of people. It takes... You know, I mean, I'm thinking of the ships and boats, they take much longer time to get to their destinations, yes. but they still get there eventually. Mm -hmm. They're constantly in motion. Yeah, to fix those kind of symptoms that we just talked about. Yes, I would definitely welcome more people getting into the industry, you know, behind the scenes as uh, writers, directors, producers, uh, East Malaysians, writers, directors, producers of a different ethnic background. Diversity is a strength here in Malaysia, so it should show in the entertainment that we produce. And now that you mention that, I realize we're so much richer in our stories and there's so many things we haven't told. Yes. Like, right? Yes. Gosh. We have so many stories that are inherently native to Malaysia. Yes. Yeah. We have universal narratives, but we also have uh, uniquely uh, Malaysian stories, specifically here in our home, home grounds. Even for women, for example, polygamy, uh, having to tutup your aura and what it means yeah, for Muslim yeah. women and things like that. You know, there's things that are uniquely well, Malaysian, but we don't address it that much. But instead, what do we have? We have uh, policemen flinging guns and uh, saving the day at the end of the day, which, which is fine, but too many is too many. I like to use the thing that those are the movies who made money because... I'm the minority in this country, sadly. You know, the majorities love the rumpit films, those dumb hantu films. Not to take a dump in any of my filmmaker friends, but the industry is driven by demand in some sense, right? Yes. So while I would appreciate deeper stories based around relevant topics that we should be talking about mm -hmm. maybe it's just not this time yet you know but who knows in 10 years time maybe we we would mature as a country as an industry that we were like we're ready for it and so are you watching a lot of things now online these days well i'm on netflix but i'm slow to the game when it comes to the squid game mm -hmm. i just started last night <laughs> so you're still earlier than me i am going to start it when i have a bit more time oh okay okay Go i on. mean like when i'm free i get to maybe binge watch a few episodes or maybe a season if it's a mini series mm -hmm. uh, but these days I'm, I'm like dragging one episode over a week which is painful <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Netflix knows we like to binge, so we're all back all 10 episodes in one go. Right. What is OTT? OTT is literally over the top. It's streaming, but it's platforms that have huge budgets and also they have viewerships of the whole of Australasia, really. Mm. And this is great for you to push your product out there if you're good enough to get in and then for them to invest in you you will be able to to get your product recognized, which at the end of the day is what everybody wants to do because it's all about pushing our industry out there to try and make it more successful as opposed to what it has been over the years. It's always on a stop-start, stop-start basis, unfortunately. Um, what we can, cannot do, 
what we can talk about, what we can't talk about. But for OTT, we can pretty much do almost everything. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there is no censorship, which is great. But I think also being Malaysians, we also know that there are certain things that we don't need to do. It's not necessary. Um, as long as we 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 get the story right, we do it well, um, it looks great. Uh, and even if we're mentioning about our cultures and everything, we do it with a sense of pride. Mm-hmm. So Justin, mm-hmm. Kinidia, would you like to talk a bit how that came about? So how Kinidia uh, came about, this was sometime uh, September last year. I heard everything from a particular studio. Well, what they planned to do was to put the entire slate on HBO in response to uh, the cinemas being closed. I'm like, oh, cool, that's a plan. What are we doing? <laughs> you know. So I'm like, oh, then I looked into it a little more. And then I was like, okay, if you look at the life cycle of a Malaysian movie, starts out of it, uh, cinemas first. After that, it will take second life in a streaming platform or two. But the thing is, Netflix and Astro First, they don't buy everything. Mm-hmm. So what about the rest? You know, they fall through the cracks because we don't have a DVD market anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, hmm, maybe there's something I could do about this. So, and there's so many great films out there that I think, <laughs> as Malaysians, we we just haven't discovered it yet. I'm thinking of like your recent sitcom, Kolaga Bahadon. Yay! Recently received two Asian Academy uh, Creative Awards. How do you feel about that? How does that make you feel? I'm extremely proud. I'm very proud of uh, Anomalous Films and the director, Kai. It's my baby. Kloga Bahadon is my baby because I, I was working in VIEW at the time as the consultant head of production. And uh, it just fell on my lap and we all believed in it and invested in it. And just so happened that he casted me in it as well as my tenure was running out. To be able to take something like that, that is so whack, but yet so valid and with the colorful characters and just going off tangent, but yet speaking out about so many things, all kinds of subject matters, etc. And ha- again, playing another strong woman. This time, you know, she's a mother of a mafia family, for goodness sakes. But yeah, <clears throat> so 2019, we won the finals of Best Comedy Performance and Best Comedy Series and the Asian Academy Creative Awards, which is basically recognized around Southeast Asia, Australasia, that sort of general area, um, yeah, yeah, the region. And then this year, in 2021, we're we're representing Malaysia because we won the the national awards for, this time, Best Original Series, which technically covers all genres. So it's not just about comedy. Comedy, It's about an original series. It's about the concept. So that even more, it's now put huge pressure on us. And of course, Best Comedy Performance, which I'm very chuffed about. It's a giant milestone. That's I mean, huh? It's a giant milestone for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that'll happen. The finals will happen in December. So I think we're all shitting bricks. <laughs> Exciting times. Any final thoughts? Any last words? Hopes for the local film industry, or I guess audiences out there. What I hope most of all is seeing the industry be getting into a position where we can actually export our content so that we can tell our stories at an international stage. Susan? I just, you know, whoever's listening to this chat, especially being a woman, don't give up. Uh, if you really believe in this is your passion, just keep going because there are a lot of us that are out there that will support you in our own way. Just, just know that we're there and we will pave the way for you so that you can come after us and keep going. Don't don't give up because there's a lot of generations ahead of us that we need to keep the doors open, firmly open 
we can't allow it to swing back shut again. By the way, on that note, I have the pleasure and the privilege of being able to bring you Sepet, which is Yasmin's most beloved work on kinedia.com. And uh, yes, yeah, just just want to bring it up there. Justin, Susan, thank you so much. On that note, I'd like to thank Justin, Susan and Jana who's been on this episode. That's all the time we have till the next episode. Bye. Bye.